Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How you doing, Richard? Amazingly just adequate. Yeah, that seems to be actually very good for 2020 for most people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We are... Uh, got, a, got a full belly and uh, a full mind right. to discuss the most amazing of things. Yeah. We, we have so much pop culture. It's just oozing, oozing out of the, uh, the pores, you know, on this day of days, this hallowed day, the day of the birth of our great Keanu Reeves <laughs> that we're recording it. <laughs> yes. Um, and if you, if you own an Apple product and go to the, movie store they are selling like every stinking keanu reeves uh movie for like five bucks it's pretty funny like they're all there it's great and uh i will reiterate what i mentioned to you before we started which is at this point in time he needs to have uh facial hair it seems to to be working for him yeah it the uh, third Bill and Ted, which I have not seen. Maybe that's something we can discuss. Um, you can watch the movie for $20. You can buy the movie for $25. Yeah. Or you can buy all three for $35. See, I think they got it right there. $20 is a good threshold if you're wanting to do the one-time view at home. 25 to be able to purchase it. Yeah, that's like buying a Blu-ray or a DVD. or Yeah, that's 100% the way it should be done. And the extra incentive, the 35 bucks, so that you have all three of them, that's not bad. You know, you're paying 5 bucks for each of the other movies. That's okay. So yeah. I, I, found, I found that price point to be pretty interesting. Um, obviously, he's done a lot of movies over the time, comedies and action movies. Yeah. The... The Matrix trilogy, it says it's a sale and said $15. And I'm like, that's that's actually a pretty good price. And you click on it. And I was like, oh, I'll buy that for 15 bucks. And then it says $35. So I don't, I was deceived. I don't know what's going on, but 15 Seen. bucks for the Matrix trilogy. I think that's a pretty darn good price. Yeah, that's not bad at all. It seems a little hinky. That's the system that's uh, trying to get you, got you locked in. Yeah. So I'll look at that later. But yeah, Keanu Reeves birthday today. Now we're going to be kind of digging into something that we have not gotten to for a while. I mean, we had been doing it pretty regularly for for a number of episodes and then we started kind of tacking it on, trying a little bit of a different format and how we put things together and and that worked sort of okay, but uh yeah, we realized the other day that we had just not talked about the history of comic book movies in a while. So that's something we'll get to. Now, before we get to that, I do kind of want to talk just a little bit about the movie that just released this previous weekend, actually out in theaters right now, The New Mutants. Are you going to see it in the theaters, Richard? No. Me neither. <laughs> I, I considered it briefly. And as soon as I voiced uh, the thought process out loud to my significant other, I got a look that indicated that I was clearly insane for even considering the possibility of going out into an enclosed 
public space, even with their new brand new filters that they've gotten, the extra cleaning, you're in this room for two hours with a bunch of people that you don't know, um, don't know if they're sick or not. And, and they don't, they don't care if you are sick. So no, that's no, or if they're sick, they don't care. Yeah. But I guess my, my thing is at least our theaters that we would frequent or go to in town, the seats are always pretty grimy. Yeah. They're pretty right? gross. And the screens aren't always the cleanest. No, that's a whole, that's a whole nother discussion about having that distraction at the movie theater of a thing on the screen. Yeah. But if the screens, if the screen can't be clean and the seats are, are always grimy, what faith do I as a consumer have in the place actually being quote sanitized or cleaned? Yeah. Before I went. So which kind of brings up what what were they thinking not having a streaming option for some of these movies? I mean, I understand that a lot of the movie theaters may think of this as something that could potentially attack the bottom line, but right now they need to have it. It's it's not going to be out on any sort of a streaming platform for a little while. And even then it's going to be out on HBO Max, right? Yeah, and that's a you know, the thing about this movie is, and, and this is obviously in a unique position because in a sense, no one cares about this movie. Yeah. Right. So this is a good m- movie to test the waters, to put out, to see if people will go, how many will people will go and what markets will the people go in. So I got no problem with them putting this movie out in theaters because what do they got to lose? Nothing. There's, there's nothing for them to lose. You know, if they put it out on a streaming service to, to rent for 15 bucks or, or whatever, I mean, I could see that happening, but if they're, I don't think that this, this movie is important to really anybody because I think they've assumed that the money is going to be lost. Mm. The thing was recorded and edited and finished like, what two years ago yeah maybe more so it's been in development for three years yeah it's it's just a it's just a nonsense movie in a in a certain sense i'd like to see it but uh the real gauge would be a movie like tenant which they really kind of movie theaters have tried to focus on yeah. and had a really big opening weekend in europe so that would be more of i think what people should pay attention to yeah. in terms of theater viewership but who knows? Yeah, they built that one up pretty heavy. They've been advertising it for a while, and it's it's the it's the it's a, it's an excellent uh, it's an excellent popcorn actiony sort of sci-fi things that people would normally love to go see. So let's see who is brave slash stupid enough <laughs> to to go to the theater. I don't know if I want to use stupid as a as a as a real descriptor there, but. Uh, making some interesting decisions, maybe put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of other big movies that are just waiting for a safe release date. You know, Wonder Woman's a good example of that one where it's been just queued up and ready to go. Uh, So I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, normally the holiday season's a big movie time. Of course, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. 
Yeah, we'll see. But let's let's think back to a time before all the craziness of what's going on, back to a time where we were just starting to really get into that next phase of awesomeness of comic-related properties. I mean, we had talked about 2008 with Iron Man and all that really being the point at which we go, oh, this is how we do it right. So in 2009, well, we don't really have any MCU movies, but... <laughs> it's true. It's still in that kind of turning point where uh, where things start to get a little better. So we should probably... Uh, there were five movies released in 2009s that were based on comic books. Now, there's actually also a movie released in 2009 based on a comic strip, and that was a St. Trinian's movie, but we're not going to talk about that because this whole thing was about comic book movies. Um, but we, uh, before the show, had come to the realization that of these five movies, we have seen the exact same three movies, and two of them we have not touched at all. So we are going to start yep. with the movies that we have both not seen and talk a li little bit about those. So let's start with the movie Whiteout. Now, Whiteout is uh, a movie that is based on a comic book by uh, writer Greg Rucka and artist Steve Lieber. Now, if the name Greg Rucka sounds familiar, it's because he is involved with a project that just came out for Netflix like a month or two ago, and that's The Old Guard. So it's... Uh, it, he's he's had his hand in in a few things here and there. Now this was originally uh, uh, a comic that came out for uh, the publication Oni Press in 1998, um, and it's another one of those instances of a comic book movie where the uh, comic source it's not superheroes or tights or anything. It's a more grounded, real kind of a story about a uh, Marshall tracking down uh, a criminal in Antarctica. So, hence the the whiteout name. Exactly. So, I just, yeah. I just figured it was a trip to Southern Indiana. That's what we had talked about before. <laughs> I was, I was wrong on that, but yeah, not not in Ant Antarctica. So, not the Arctic Circle. No, no, no. no. It's Antarctica. Yeah. And there's like a science thing. Like, I've never seen it. I haven't read the comic book. No. But the premise a U.S. marshal, mind you, yes. of course, going to Antarctica to uh, track down a killer. It just seems hokey. It's a little, it's a little cheesy. It, it feels kind of 80s, truthfully. Now, here's the thing. That kind of plays a little bit to the director of the project, uh, Dominic Cena. If you look at his stuff, he was pretty much doing music videos for the most part in the, uh, the mid-80s and such. And he had a lot of them. But he also had some some actual movie titles they did. He did Gone in 60 Seconds in 2000, Swordfish in 2001. Uh, so, I mean, he had some 
quite the impressive resume yeah. right there. But you'll also notice that the only thing he did after this was Season of the Witch in 2011. <laughs> and then then we haven't heard from him since. So I'm not really sure why that is. But he did California in 93. That was a pretty decent little little movie. Um, yeah, California with the K. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, not a lot that we can say about this particular film. Now, the only thing that I will say is... I love the cast. I kind of want to see it just for that. I mean, you got Kate Beckinsale, who I love in about anything that she's in. Uh, Gabriel Mocked, who I've always been a fan of, with the exception of one other comic-based movie that was just terrible. Not his fault. Uh, but uh, on Suits, he's he's fantastic. Uh, Tom Skerritt, who is, I've never seen him be awful in anything. I mean, dude is a national treasure. Like me, some Tom Skerritt. Yeah, didn't he pass away not too long ago? I seem to remember that. Uh, no, no, he's still with us. I was thinking of somebody else. Um, but I mean, now he's he's an older gentleman. He was born in thirty three, so he's uh, coming up on a hundred. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, all in all, it's got a pretty solid cast all around. I mean, I'm I'm curious about it, but uh, can't really say much more than that, truthfully. Yep, if it was on and I got to see it at the very beginning and could watch the whole thing, eh, maybe. If it was on in the middle of it and I'm like, oh, I'll just sit through a few minutes, I probably wouldn't do that. I'd more care to watch the whole thing, but I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd set out to find it and watch it, but if it, if I came across it, I'd watch it. Yeah, I think, I think I'm the same. So... Let's go to the other of the five that neither of us have seen. (laughs) And again, this should be fairly quick. Uh, In 2009, also released, uh, was the movie Surrogates. Now, Surrogates is based on a comic by Robert Venditti and Brett, what? well, I'm going to uh, mispronounce this, but Brett Weldell, I hope. Um, for top shelf comics, See, it's another interesting thing. We got these smaller comic publications coming out with these really neat properties that people are adapting. Now, this was originally in two thousand five. Um, are you? Fam- oh, it's not too much longer. No. Afterwards, are you familiar at all with the uh, plot for it? Only from reading the uh, generic plot summary. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've got. I, it's another one. It's one of those rare instances where I got two movies. Not only did I not see either of those movies, I did not read the source material for either of them either. I usually have at least read the source material, even if I haven't seen the movie. Uh, but not this time. But- no. Yeah. And and, and I, I wonder if this was a movie, and we had talked about it a little bit, like, well, we wouldn't mind watching this movie. Oh, yeah. It's just maybe it just got kind of lost in the sense of it maybe it didn't make a lot of money maybe it wasn't super popular um although the ratings kind of say that it's an okay movie uh but maybe it just kind of got lost in the shuffle of of, of other things at the time and we never came back to it it never gained that kind of cult popularity that some right obscure movies do so um it it the cast looks good the director has done some good things, so it looks intriguing. Yeah, I mean, the director did U571, which was a pretty solid movie. Uh, he did Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, which was not a solid movie. 
Uh, <laughs> at least I didn't like it very much. <laughs> I, I I definitely uh, watched it and owned it. I still own it, and it, but that just because at the time it made sense to to have that movie and have all the other Terminator movies. And yeah, that movie is it, it could have been a lot better, but now, could be a lot worse too. Now, truthfully, to be to be fair, there is one movie on his resume of directorial projects that. Once I saw the title, I really kind of want to watch this now because it seems like it would be so bad it's good kind of a thing. But uh, the Beverly Hills Body Snatchers. <laughs> it sounds just awful. Awful, yes. <laughs> but I, I really want to see it now. Uh, so that's the director of this particular project. Um, so... But like like you're talking about the the cast on this is crazy. I mean Bruce Willis that's that's a draw on its own. That should have been enough to get yep. butts in seats and, and watching things. But uh, I mean you've got Rosamund Pike in it. I mean she tends to tends to do pretty well in most projects. She has some good good things that she's been in for sure. I mean Ving Rhames, who I um, I'm a mark for him. If he is in a project, I will watch it generally every time with some very few exceptions. He's just got some uh, charisma that I, I really like. Uh, James Cromwell, I mean, um, the dude is, is another guy that's that's been in just so much stuff, and he's generally pretty awesome. He's one of those people that you can cast in kind of that asshole role or the fatherly figure, or he's got such a range that he can go. Um, my favorite is uh well maybe not my favorite but the one that often sticks in my mind is he's in Star Trek First Contact. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like he is an arguably one of the best Star Trek movies. Right. And his character in that was so good and he played it so yeah. well. Yes. Um so I mean yeah, this this again another cast. I mean that just is really really solid. Um I like Rada Mitchell because she was in, uh, I first saw her in Pitch Black. Right. Right. Yeah, she was good in that. Um, and Boris uh, Kojo uh, was in the Resident Evil, uh, pardon me, uh, Mouth Not Working, uh, the Resident Evil films. Uh, and I, I seem to remember liking him pretty well in that stuff. That's right. He was one of the, um, like the collection of the, Good guys. Exactly. Yeah, it's just I don't remember its parts exactly, but well, we'll have to eventually get to this and and watch it. But I promise, going forward, we now will have actual commentary on the other three projects <laughs> that that came out in two thousand nine. Well, maybe you know, I will. if our commentary isn't or our brain parts don't work too well on well, the, okay, the next one, right? Which I, I'm going to guess we've watched once. Where the other ones we probably have watched multiple times. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so okay, 
So, okay, no, no. What we really got to do, we got to build up anticipation. We got we to gotta get that, that interest in there. And there's no better way to do that than to make people wait through a commercial break. So this is a good time to remind everybody that the Pudding Guys are pretty much everywhere on social media. You can find us on Twitter, at Real Pudding Guys. You can find us on Instagram, and you can find us on Facebook, at Pudding Guys. We are even on a nice little service called Patreon where for a single dollar per month you can support the Pudding Guys as we bring out new content, as we create new things. And I know I've said this before, but I, I swear it's really happening. We just, uh, we're just we crossing some T's and dotting some I's to get a new service. So we're going to have a couple tiers of things that are going to be available via Patreon either sometime in September, October at the latest. Oh, man, I'm excited. This is going to be so cool, and I think it's something that people will really enjoy, uh, a tool that will not only be um, entertaining but educational and just very um, useful that I think that people will truly enjoy. But we'll have a, a episode unto that on its own once it's ready to be really rolled out to people. But on to the good stuff. So which one do you think that we should go to next? <laughs> um, well, it has an actor in it who is a superhero comic person. Yes. That uh, we more refer to him in. You, you, you can't force me in this direction. You can't, you can't alter my uh, uh, physical direction with a shove or uh, a jolt or... Okay, yeah, it's just, it just isn't working. <laughs> more, of, it's more of a uh, what's what's I don't even know the hand gesture. It's more of a a, a break even. <laughs> we're playing, we're playing cards. That's right. It, it is, it is push out in two thousand nine. Now this is an interesting one. I think there are going to be a lot of people that would disagree with the inclusion of the movie Push on the list of comic book movies. But I will remind you, I, we didn't have it at the beginning of this episode, but movies that count in terms of what we call comic book movies are ones that are based on a comic that were not based on anything else previously that had any sort of radio wave transmission. It could have been based on a book before it was made into a, a comic book or a myth before it was made into a comic book. But generally speaking, it was in a written, drawn format first, and then it was put onto the screen. That's the, the major thing. Now, when Push was released, it was kind of done as a project in two pieces. They released the film, but they also released the comic one month before the film came out. Now, the comic is not directly the plot of what happened in the movie. It's the prequel to the movie so that you could read the comic and it leads up into what happens in the movie. So it's really kind of interestingly done. And so the comic, uh, when it came out, it was written by Adam Freeman and Mark uh, Bernardin uh, with the artist uh, uh, Bruno Redondo. Uh, and it was done on the Wild Storm imprint, um, if you're familiar with that. It's kind of one of those neat little things that happened around the time of image and such. Um, but... Um, yeah, so that so they they did the they did the lead up plot in the comic, and then you could watch the movie and find out what happened next. Interesting. Yeah. Was the was here's the question: Was the comic book 
a comic book that was, let's say, a free comic book, or did you have to purchase the comic book? It or was, do you even know? It was a purchased comic book, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a six-issue volume that they did, basically. And it started in January of 2009. And then the movie was released in February. So Interesting. Yeah. Just kind of a kind of an interesting uh fun thing. I, I like when they do that. And that's kind of how we did uh Dr. Giggles too. It was it was very similar. It it came out like one month before the movie came out. And it's just kind of it's an it's a neat publicity stunt and and and, and it well it's not a publicity stunt, but it's a neat amalgamation of formats to be able to do something a little different, man. Good good uh good piece of uh unique in a sense marketing. Yeah. Now the director on this is Paul McGowan. Um he actually had some interesting stuff that led up to this uh this particular project though the one that I really liked uh Lucky Number 11. That was a fun little action film that he directed. Um I'm not really familiar with most of everything else that he has before that. And then it's kind of interesting. After this, he did a bunch of television other than Victor Frankenstein. But um, that's weird in in one sense. It's like, okay, I'm going to come out with this. I I seem to remember this movie was fairly successful. Uh, I'm going to have a fairly successful movie. Let's do TV. (laughs) Let's do something else. Yes. Um. I mean, I remember seeing the advertising for it. Um, now, in, in terms of the, we say it was a success. I don't know how accurate these numbers are. You know, we can pull some of the numbers from different sources, but uh, its worldwide gross was under $50 million, and the budget for the movie was $38 million. So it made its money back. Well, and, and when I think of success, I'm thinking more of did people go to see it? And did they enjoy it? Uh, how much you spent on the film? I'm not looking at monetary success because there's just too many factors that really play into that. Correct. And what what does make a box office success? You know, that's in the eye of the beholder, I right. guess, because a, a movie that made 200 million uh, still might not have been successful if they thought it was going to make 400 million. You know, so right different different terms of success but i think if a movie at least makes its all of its money back in today's day and age when there are so many movies being made at varying cost levels and different types of releases that if you make your money back then i qualify that in some aspects as a success oh definitely definitely and uh the plot wasn't exactly um, intricate. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a standard sci-fi action movie with some mental powers, but yeah. it's good. I mean, it's just kind of fun. It's, so long as you don't think too hard about it, it, it's very enjoyable. It's got a cast that's kind of fantastic. I mean, you got uh, our friend Jimon Hanso in there, uh, which I'm I'm probably just mangling his name in a new way. Uh, but one of my favorite dudes to see in any movie. I mean, he's always awesome in everything. Um, 
you know, he, he's, a, he's a scene stealer, really. I mean, he's in a snippet, really, of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in a snippet of Constantine. I mean, but when he's in that scene, he just he just takes it every time. Obviously a prominent character in uh, Gladiator. Yeah. Uh, you got Dakota Fanning in it, and she's a, a lot of times a little hit or miss for me. Um, and it's, it's usually more to do with the type of movie it is just because uh, she doesn't always uh, appear in films yeah. that really cater to what I'm interested in. But um, uh, Chris Evans, obviously, uh, you've got uh, Mr. Captain America himself that shows up. Chris Evans gets around in the comic movies, man. He does a handful of things, you know, if you think about it. So you have him and Simon, Simon, that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Corey Stahl's in it too. So there's a couple people that have been in, you know, our our Marvel cinematic universe that were in this movie. Yeah, you know, and that's like we two, it was 2009, so it's not like it was that long ago. Um, so there's a there's a good cast. There's a lot of folks who show up later on in actual quote comic so. now uh, uh well Corey Stoll too i mean he gets to play uh villain in ant-man um that's what yeah that's what i was saying him yeah ming now Wen was in it yeah she I'm, was an agent of shield and she is killer uh, she's she's awesome uh one of those people that, like in real life, could just beat the living snot out of you, <laughs> it seems like. Uh, one yeah. interesting note, Colin Ford, who plays the young Nick in this film, uh, actually ends up playing a young Sam Winchester in Supernatural. <laughs> he's got his, his, he's right up his wheelhouse, you know, young, young this person. Yeah, yeah. Before just... that person gets old this person. Uh, yeah, he's he, he is in it. Now, as far as the the plot of the film, I mean, nothing really jumps out. It, it it's it's kind of like just a, uh, a not a, I was about said as a destination film. It's not a destination film uh, or a road trip film, but it's kind of a a journey film going from point A to point B. It felt like to me, and I always like those. They they move. Yep, and and like you mentioned before, it's not like the plot's anything ground shattering it's just a, a a typical plot with not typical circumstances let's put it that way right right um now obviously i we probably should have said this before and we normally did back when we were doing this particular type of episode before but uh, uh some spoilers make them out we try and limit it as much as possible just because you know we're we're um trying for for some of these gems, people have not seen them still, so we don't really want to kill it. But uh, uh, correct, but it is you know eleven years ago. Yes. So, uh, yeah, all bets are off. Yeah, listen at your own peril, um, especially going into the last two that we're going to do. Because again, while we may not have a lot to say about Push, and you know we both saw it like once and kind of enjoyed it, but haven't seen it again. Uh, yep. I've seen both of these other films that we're going to be talking about uh, several times each. Um, and some of it is just kind of trying to um, trying to um, digest and decide what my feelings are on, on the film and compare it to the source material. 
and some of it is actual enjoyment to certain elements, neither of these films coming up are perfect films. In fact, one of them at least could be said to be arguably a terrible film. Terrible film, yes. <laughs> we're going to save that one for last. <laughs> but Ooh, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, we're, we're going to go out because we've got plenty to say on that one, I know for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, let's let's go. So with, what's, what's the second to last movie from 2009 that we will review? The second one, from uh, second to last from 2009 that we're going to be talking about is the film Watchmen. Now, Watchmen was uh, adapted from uh, uh, the comic by Alan Moore, uh, artist David Gibbons and John Higgins from back in 1986. So it took them a while to make this film. And arguably, there's a lot of good reasons that it took them so long to make the film. Part of it was uh, the effects capabilities of the time. Part of it is the subject matter of the movie is just really sensitive in a lot of ways. It's, it's rough. Um, uh, part of it is just the, the fact that there is so much to pack in most movies back in that period of time were like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. There was no way that you were going to be able to get everything that you needed in in the average time and attention span that you're going to have on a movie. But when it was released uh, in 2009, this got close to three hours on the film. And from what I understand, that wasn't enough. Like there, no. there was so much more material that it could, could have gone into it. Um, Maybe we should get a Snyder cut. It, it could be a five part. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's one of, that's a, a whole nother part of the discussion about this movie um, is the director. But um, the, I don't know the source material. I can't speak to the source material. I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, I just came into the, to it, watching the movie knowing that it was a comic book or based on a comic and like i said knew nothing about the material saw the previews i'm like oh this looks cool because you know what they do in the previews they show um it shows like the night owl character and his get up or like jumping out of his his little aircraft or it shows here's some explosions uh, yeah like like explosions and Rorschach and like, okay, so this is uh, like, this is a, a movie that's got some action and some, you know, like bang bangs and some explosions and stuff. And like, okay, I can get into this three hours. Okay. I like three hours. I don't mind three hour movies. And then you watch it and it's just like, Oh, so it's, uh, Oh, uh, okay. This is not what I thought it was going to be. No, this is a okay. All right, okay. Well, this now this isn't going to detract me. From, okay, and then like there's just these different mo- moments of this movie that pick the movie up from the doldrums. Yeah, in a movie, like if you're if you're reading this, I can totally see how you could be engrossed from reading this. Sure. And it's very hard to translate that material to the the, the big screen, and, and then of course do it in one movie when it probably should have been done in maybe two movies. Yeah. But all the characters are super cool 
in in this. I like that. I like that a lot of them are more just normal normal people. Yeah. In in, in a sense, don't really have superpowers ex- well except for one which is obviously there's ridiculous ridic- like take superman and then make make him more op and he, yeah like it, yeah it's just, it's an interesting movie so what tell me about the source material and what what they left out, what they added, what could have been better? Because I don't know any of that. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is where it gets kind of complicated. So Alan Moore is kind of, I'm not going to say a divisive individual, um, but there are a lot of people that just absolutely love his work, and some people that are less than impressed. And I think a lot of what it is is just there's several things that he did that really were revolutionary, and some things that he did that just. Not that, you know, it's that second album syndrome sort of a thing, except that he's done so much work. Some of it just is awesome. And some of it is just kind of, eh. And you mix into that, that he is a person of very striking personality that could rub some people the wrong way. Uh, And he's said some things in the past that have been very, um, I don't want to say controversial necessarily, but definitely, again, one of those things that that will make some eyebrows raise. Um, So you combine all that together. But at the time when this came out, it was different than anything. So first of all, it's kind of reconstructionist. That's um, uh, fake history. If, If the world had gone in a different direction, not just because it has superheroes, but because the Cold War turned out in a different way. They kept that part of it. And they kept, they basically kept the feeling of the characters. Rorschach in the film is basically Rorschach from the comics. Um, they're all essentially the way that they're supposed to be. The big difference that they, that they really put in from the movie as opposed to the comics is the ending. So the ending is pretty drastically different. Yes, uh, Ozymandias is plotting to um, destroy a large section of a lot of people. Um, And the way he's planning to do it in the movie is more scientific. The way he did it in the comics is he's basically creating a uh, Cthulhu uh, (laughs) like... creature to just kind of destroy a bunch of everything and everybody comes together to destroy it and and it's a ends do the ends justify the means conversation um so his reasoning for doing it makes sense we need to do something to bring everybody together i don't mind killing a few million people in the process to achieve this goal and i will be the bad guy i'm fine with that but the world will be better because of it. So is that right? If you have the power to do that, is it right for you to take those actions? Um, and, and presenting these broken characters to have, at that point, heroes that are not heroic, and a lot of them are just awful, awful people, um, or at the very least, unrelatable. I mean... 
in the movie, I know it struck people a little odd having a giant naked blue man walking around. It was, <laughs> I think, kind of yeah. distracting and something you don't see very often. Uh, not that he's blue. Uh, not that he's basically wearing no clothes, because, I mean, you can get away with that. But, I mean, they didn't hide anything, which was a little different. But, you know, kind of at the same time, uh, a commentary in and of itself of what does it really mean. And he's kind of completely detached. Oh, by the way, I know it's it's kind of a, a segue. They kind of folded the Watchmen uh, storyline into the main DC storyline with uh, some events that happened over the course of the past year or two. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting thing where Dr. Manhattan took on basically all of the heroes and just punked them. <laughs> it wasn't even wasn't even kind of a close confrontation because uh, of a variety of reasons. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But so the big thing about it that they kept and I think did not present as from your comments uh, that they kept from the comic and made it into the movie is it's a character study. So it's it's less about the fights and less about the explosions. That's just there to hook you enough to get you to wrestle with moral questions and to look at the personalities of the individuals involved and kind of judge. And it's, I thought it was done brilliantly in that respect. Does it make it a good movie? Eh, kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you look at the comic book world in the movie sense that we're in today, you don't, you don't go to the, the movies or watch the movies to have Iron Man have a, a, a discussion, the whole movie. <laughs> about what type of person he is or isn't. Or, <laughs> right. There's elements of that. You don't, you don't, you know, a, a movie like The Winter Soldier, which is oftentimes regarded as one of, if not the best of the MCU family of movies, mm -hmm. because it's got the intrigue, it's got the great story behind it, it's got the action, so it's got all those elements. But, like, the, the story behind that is kind of that character revealing and character development piece and then like the behind the scenes like oh my gosh all these things are happening right so like the intrigue piece so you could deliver a really good movie that has you thinking just not too hard you know what i'm saying well like, that, that's part of it but there's another reason that resonated i think so much better even to us and other people the characters are more relatable Ultimately, Captain America is trying to do the right thing. Ultimately, the Black Widow is trying to do the right thing. There are lines they won't cross. They have a similar moral code to what we like to think that we would have. The people in the Watchmen do not. It's true. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. One, of, one of my favorite scenes, you know, like the, the Rorschach character um, in the movie. And that, once again, you, you say he he's pretty pretty similar to the character in the comic book yes that his character in the movie is the one that's kind of he doesn't have the nice house no. or the nice apartment and he doesn't have the nice things that like all the other characters do but he's the one that's digging the hardest to find 
information or do or do things but when he's in the prison like like i'm not stuck in here with you you're stuck in here with me like it just goes to show you that that dude is like, you don't want to mess with that no, dude no. right and then the, and then the, the scene where they're they're breaking him out and they and he's he's just sitting in the jail cell like okay you know like what like i'm not scared of you guys like his whole character in this movie is the the highlight to me of course jackie earl haley who i don't even know when this movie came out i don't even know if we knew him as an actor maybe we didn't maybe we did well I, wasn't he in robocop was am, he I, in am robocop? i am i misremembering that let me because i remember him from this movie and then he was freddy krueger like a year later right right but, I must be misremembering that when he was not, but he's, he was been acting since the early seventies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, he oh was he's in, in breaking Genesis. away. Yeah. Ooh, Bad news. Bears. Ooh, he was Einstein. I gosh, I gotta watch that movie. One of my favorite movies going up as a kid was something that I always go to the movie store and rent from the, as a VHS was the movie Nemesis. And it had Oliver Gruner in it. He's, and Jackie Earl Haley was in that movie. He was in Semi Pro. I definitely, have. yeah, Semi Pro. Funny, but that—that's what it was. He was in Doll Man. That's another comic-based film uh, that's on the list, but it was not widely seen because it was uh, a straight-to-video kind of thing. But his. I, his performance in this one, I think, got him a little bit more recognition. Um, a little bit more money because he could, he could, he got cast in more roles and was in more parts. Uh, you know, all all the uh, Patrick Wilson, who's been in just tons of things. Yeah, he's in. A bunch. I loved, I loved his glasses in this movie. I think the glasses in this movie really fit his face well. Yes, but you know, he's. The, the Night Owl character is, is great because I, I I love I love the Batman and the the Batman character that I love the real one of the reasons that I love the Batman character I mean there's so many so many elements to that character and the characters that surround him and the bad guys and all that stuff but the the aspect of the suits and the aspect of the gadgets because he's smart and has money and the Night Owl character was similar in that aspect where he had the suits and he had the gadgets and it i i liked the presentation in the movie how they presented that character and that character is flawed in his own way right Mm -hmm. yeah um but i i liked that character i liked the was it is she technically the silk specter two in the movie basically Uh, i mean the original so like Carlo Gugino is the original Silk, Silk Spectre. Cool. Like so like all the little character elements um I thought were really were really good. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, um the comedian. Oh yeah, he did great. I, mean, I think everybody everybody knows him as nowadays as Negan. Uh well maybe. Uh, or the dad from Supernatural. <laughs> okay. Um Gosh, what else? So many other things. I 
I'd seen him in some things before this movie too. But when I saw him in this movie, it just made me want to watch this movie more. Yeah. So it's got a great cast. I think the characters are cool. And hopefully that came across in the movie. It's just... No, the funny thing is you're talking about uh, comparing Night Owl to Batman. The funny thing is the character of Rorschach was supposed to be not exactly a parody of Batman, but a commentary on Batman and how that character doesn't really make sense. And and uh, from what I remember, and if I remember this correctly, it frustrated and annoyed Alan Moore that um, people really, really liked the Rorschach character and he did not want them to. <laughs> yeah, because Rorschach is just probably in this movie, and once again, I haven't read the comic, but in this movie, he's definitely my, I think my favorite character that's in this movie. It makes sense. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting character, and, and it's well acted and well done. So, I mean, anyone that hasn't seen this should kind of take a look at it, and, and it's heavily influenced in a lot of ways by Sin City. Uh, and it because, or maybe a better way to say it is because Sin City was successful. Um, it, this is another film that was able to kind of go forward because of that. Uh, no matter I can what, see that. Yep. no matter what anybody says, yeah, it's it's a different kind of style, but it's still, it's still the 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 way they presented it is a lot like that. But uh, yeah, so. I'm I'm always torn on Zack Snyder. I mean, a lot of that for me is kind of take it or leave it. Some of the stuff that he does I like, and some of it I I don't. I mean, like anything like that. Uh, I even things like Man of Steel. Uh, I remember going to see that movie in the theaters and talking to my wife uh, and saying, "Hey, this is the best Superman movie that has been made so far." Though that's not saying much, because <laughs> the other ones really weren't that good. Uh, it should have been better than it was, <laughs> but you know. Well, you know we we remember. Um, did Richard Donner do the first two Superman movie? I, I can't believe remember that's from correct. Like the... Yeah. So, those movies were good. Maybe they weren't the best portrayal of the character as we want to have them be portrayed but they're fun but those are iconic movies in their own sense because who was doing that type of movie in the 70s right so almost no one but but you're right in terms of the presentation of that character maybe it's just hard to get that character right the cartoons did it yeah but they have I mean, a little more lee yeah they got leeway that uh, live action just doesn't have Yeah, Superman just like used one of the strengths, which is the bad guys that Superman goes up against. Yeah. If they would just present those instead of General Zod and Lex Luthor. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you got to branch out just a little bit. Throw Metallo in there. I mean, that dude's cool. Yeah, Metallo's super cool. All right. Well, let's let's end on a strong note of uh, a strong note of derision <laughs> as we we talk about this final film. Yeah. 
Um, in 2009, there have been three films preceding it that had started being really, really awesome. And the second one was really pretty good. And the third one was really just not great. And and then this came out. It's like, ah, oh, but this focuses on the most popular character. And they can't possibly mess this up. And they did it anyway. Um, and, of course, we are talking about uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, released in 2009. Now, the Wolverine character actually came out first in 1963, created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. And it came out in the X-Men title when they were doing a little revamp of the roster uh, from the original grouping. And uh, he got super popular and uh, has kind of been with us ever since. I mean, that's obviously truncating things quite a bit, but uh, that's the upshot. So I remember we've talked about the X-Men movies and how we really liked them for the most part. So. And, and you're right, this this character, the Wolverine character, just because, you know, he's feisty and he's mean, but not. Yeah. And, you know, we maybe it's because we when we grew up and maybe it's because when I grew up, the X-Men cartoon was on. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the comics had the presentation of the characters and that drew us into the whole thing. But for me, you know, the, the, I just remember the bub, <laughs> you know, like right. that character on the cartoon and that character was over the top in his screams when he had to attack somebody oh, yeah. and like over the top when Jean was getting in trouble or hurt or thought she was going to be lost but there was something about that character that was just super cool. The claws and the healing factor. And then the backstory of how he got his adamantium, like the whole, the whole era of this character is just really cool. Right. And it makes sense that, okay, if you're going to present, where did these characters come from? That he would be the first one. Yeah. And and that was logical. Then you, you, I mean, who knows the reason why things fail, right? There's any number of reasons. Oh yeah. Um, and did you know, like, why the, the cast in this is just ridiculous? Oh yeah, the cast is great. And maybe it's the story that was written. Again. The studio didn't like it, so the studio tried to, you know, studio up the the thing. Uh, who knows? The director that's in this movie, I don't well, know what this that, dude's That should done. have been the first indicator of uh, that there might be a problem. I mean, American Kickboxer, Curse 3, Blood Sacrifice, uh, Redemption, Kickbo- uh, Kickboxer 5, uh, Operation Delta Force 2. Uh, these are the things that he did before <laughs> this particular film. Um, not what you would call... Um, Big, big, uh, good, awesome stuff, right? Uh, that's but w- look at the MCU and some of the directors that they have had. Yeah, so that doesn't necessarily same... mean anything. Yeah. So, is it the studio? Because the studio also did, you know, Fantastic Four and now to be fair, Fantastic... those are those are things he acted in technically. 
uh, rather than directed. Uh, the stuff he directed was just not much of anything. Yeah. So it's, once again, who knows? But it seems like the story was, the story devolved. And I mean, there's so many elements of the story that are just dumb. But so it, it didn't get everything wrong. Like the intro to this movie was killer. Um, mm-hmm. I just, uh, that whole montage between uh, Leif Schreiber and Hugh Jackman, you know, through time, that was super awesome. And there were certain like small brush strokes where he gets the motorcycle and sits down on it and he's super heavy. So it sinks down just little things like that. And small strokes here and there that for the most part, this would be a film that if it weren't awesome, at least it would be kind of okay. It's just the, it's the ending that that's really what killed it. And the other thing too is maybe the expectations for this movie were were really high. Oh yeah, they definitely right? were. So it was it was hard to meet those expectations with what was delivered, or maybe the budget wasn't what it was. But you know, I, I, it just seemed you're you're right. The intro of introducing us to them when they were young, and that they they're they grew up but never grew old and they went through all the the wars right mm-hmm. the war and the war and the war um war war never changes <laughs> so like you're right that aspect of it was cool and i like the i like the the program like the characters that they had brought together for their special covert program, right? Like yeah. that part was that was cool. That was cool. Like okay, like all right, so you're you're developing stuff here. Like yeah. You are oh, oh, you're you're okay. I see that. Oh, great. Even with what the did time you develop? Jump, no. Even with the time jump that it, it could have worked. I mean, for the most part, but what what they did with the blob was kind of I, I like the concept where he wasn't always big, but then he got big. Okay, but he just looked dumb. I mean, the prosthetics on that were just awful. I mean, if you want to go practical, I understand. I get it. I understand that. To do him right cannot be practical. I, there's no way. I mean, he's anybody that's read the comics or seen the cartoon, you see that and then you look at that boxing match and it's just an insult. It's and then where was if you have that character, like I I like the fact, okay, so you have him, you need Pyro too. Yeah. But uh going for like that brotherhood of evil mutants. Like you need bad guys. Right. And the blob. Like who wouldn't love the blob? You just you just failed you know yeah and the 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 other character that i saw a lot of hope for in this and i was like oh my gosh they're really gonna do it they had taylor kitsch and he was remy lebeau right (laughs) i'm like 
the other character. Oh, okay, that... I don't, I don't, I like Taylor Kitsch. I don't know why they had him in as Remy LeBeau. Yeah, and you're, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I love, I love Gambit. Like that character to me would be awesome to have on. Yeah. And, and this, you're just throwing him in here too. It's like, there's just too many things at, at one. It, a lot it, of... It's cool. It's a cool nod to all the stuff. But if you're going to do the nod, put some power behind it or something. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of unfinished thoughts. Yes, exactly. And and, and the and, thoughts that were finished were just too jumbled and nonsensical. Yeah, and, and a lot of it, like I said, a lot of it could be very forgivable. But what they did to Deadpool at the end of that oh gosh was just it was more than insulting is it's how could you possibly think that your core demographic audience these because at this point it's still the comic readers that you're actually making this movie for you may want to say well we're trying to expand our audience yeah sure but even at that point you're just trying to pull in those comic readers first and that is such a slap to the face i mean it took a long time for them to kind of get that trust back uh, a little bit. And I think the way that they handled it with the, the Deadpool movies was uh, pretty fantastic. I mean, being able to acknowledge that it, it was a mistake. It happens. Um, and it just, uh, it, it, at the time, though. Whew. So bad. And and the, uh, the... Are you from? Did you play any uh, Mortal Kombat games? I did a little bit. It's like, like that. I just thought he was Baraka. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> so that, it, that every time I get that part of the movie, I'm like, yeah, it's Baraka with no with no mouth, of course, because they close. Yeah, why? The whole part of that character is him being a nonstop talking character. Yeah, he's a smartass. That's that's what made him cool. And you put you make him with no mouth. Like, come on, man. That that hurt. Come on. That hurt me to my soul because at that point I go, oh, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. That's a perfect casting. How? How could you get that so on the nose awesome? And when I saw that first scene when they're you know going up the elevator and then confronting and he's got the swords like oh, and this is gonna go this is gonna go the right way. And then by the end of the movie, I think it's one of the few times I actually threw my popcorn at the screen. I just it's like what are you? Oh, the amount of steam I couldn't form sentences. The <laughs> the anger that I had. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, when, when we talk about Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman is a very talented actor who can do many things. And he's going to be forever known as Wolverine, which is a cool thing. Um, you know, maybe for him, not as cool as what it could be. Right. Sure, because. Sure. You, you want to be known for more than just one thing, but he did the character so well so many times that yeah, he made it's it almost his. a compliment, right? Yeah. You know, 
it's like when we we had our previous conversation about Wesley Snipes on last week's podcast. Go check it out. Um, you know, we refer to we we think of the 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 Blade character as Wesley Snipes. Yeah, he, and did, we he think defined of Wesley Snipes. Yeah. So the Hugh Jackman, uh, the perception that he is only Wolverine is obviously extremely false. But when we think of that character on screen, that's what we think of. So whoever is going to play that character in the future is going to be screwed. Yep. <laughs> Un, unjustly judged by how good or bad he will be. Yeah. And even in a movie that is widely regarded as one of, if not the worst of the MCU movies, that his character in it was spot great. on. Yeah. Perfect. So that's, that's just one of the, the confusing things about this movie. I mean, like we, yeah. lots of things. Yeah. We didn't, even, we didn't even talk about some of the other, like people that are in, like the cast in this is just Dan, outrageous. Danny Houston, a striker. I mean, Oh that's... my gosh. Danny Houston is awesome. Yes. Yeah, um, but uh, I like I, I like Lynn Collins. Yeah. Um, she does she does cool. She was actually in uh, a movie with Taylor Kitsch that no one liked. Also, that was a Disney the one that were there on Mars. Oh right um, right right right. I know I know what you're talking about. Uh, Kevin Durant with a D. Yeah, Kevin Durant. He's not in this movie. <laughs> It'd be funny if he was. <laughs> a little basketball uh, here and there. Uh, Dominic Moynihan, Monahan, I should say, not Moynihan, Monahan. Yeah, who was in, you know, like the Lord of the Rings movies, and was he in Lost? As yeah, well? yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, th- this cast is just. There's other people to mention too, but the cast is just great. It's yeah, it's got chock full of people. Yeah, and it's just disappointing. Yeah, just disappointing. I I liked how. In some of the later X-Men movies, they revisited the origin story a bit. Yes, um, yes, they did. So they had a means to correct some of the things yeah. um, that, that were in here. And I'm sure this movie is, although it's part of the universe, is just effectively not part of the universe. Well, it doesn't even really matter now because of the MCU. Yep, so it's all going to be rewritten. But it was definitely interesting that this was still, you know, early on in the push for comic book popularity. And it was also another Fox property. Right. It just failed to live up to expectations. Um, And why ultimately I think it, you know, Fox ended up as a Disney property now as so many people wanted and fought and complained and talked about having these properties done the right way. Yeah. And Fox just didn't understand the product, unfortunately. Correct. Except for one. Yeah. Which was Deadpool. Which truthfully, it's not that they understood it is that, Ryan Reynolds understood it, or at least yeah, right. Had and his to it. his uh, 
his uh, team, they understood it. And they yeah. were able to convince the people at Fox to know that they understood it. And then they finally gave in. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you can have your toys. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. I, I want to see how they're going to fold him into the MCU. It could be. It could. The worst case scenario is it'll be mediocre. I don't think it'll be awful. Um, I'm just. I'm hoping they let him stay as edgy as possible because that's what makes the character work. Um, but you know, we'll see. But what do you think? Are we are we too far off base with our estimation of uh, of these movies in 2009? I mean, because really, I think this is where things start really taking an uptick in quality uh, from from this point forward, and everything just starts to get so much better. And that's not saying this year was a bad year. I mean, it's just it's still a building block. It's it's getting there and just getting better and better. But what do you think? Let us know on social media. But, uh, of course, next week's episode, we're going to go from being mad that some movies didn't turn out quite the way that we wanted them to be to being um, celebratory of the efforts of some fantastic people that we have lost so far in 2020 uh, that have brought us so much joy through their their work, uh, music and movies and things like that. And hopefully you'll come join us to celebrate next week. 